seated. I want to talk to you just for a little while this morning on let us go up. Let us go up. There is an upward call on all of us. It is the call to live the resurrected life. I believe that the future is bright for this church and the future is bright for all of our lives. So let us go up and possess all that the Lord has provided for us. In Numbers, if we could look over there in chapter 13, and let's look at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every man a ruler among them. Then dropping down to verse 6, 17, it says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, whether they be few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. Verse 20, And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they did go up. And dropping down to verse 23, And they came up to the brook of Eschol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought out of the pomegranates and of the figs. And the place was called the brook of Eschol, because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. Verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto the, all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We've come into the land whither you sent us. And surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and they are very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. In other words, in spite of what you had told us, notwithstanding, nevertheless, even so, however, but still, yet though, in verse 29... The Amalekites dwell in the south, in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Now notice with me in verse 30. Here's what Caleb did. Remember this, Joshua and Caleb were two of the twelve spies that brought back a good report. And the scripture says in verse 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up. At once. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Another translation says, We are well able to take possession of the land. Now, how was it that Caleb could say that? He could say that based on what God had said. You see, whatever God says to us from His exceeding great and precious promises, those are His enablements to receive what He has provided for us. You know, there's a principle in the Word of God, whatever He has said, we may boldly say. Whatever He said. Remember, He said, you can have what you say, if you believe and doubt not. 
So what he said, if you will believe it and say it, you can have what he said because you can have what you say. Amen. So what you say today in verse 31, but the men that went up with him said, notice this, they were expressing doubt and unbelief. We're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They forgot that their strong God said that they could come in. They forgot that their strong God was stronger than the Amalekites, the Hittites, and the Jebusites. So God said that they were able, but they said we were not able. Now what this tells us, that the will of God is dependent on us aligning our believer up with our words and with His word. Amen? Amen. We cannot back down in fear and doubt and expect to go up and possess what he's provided for us. What we're saying today is we must be in agreement with what he said to receive all that he has provided. Amen? So they talked themselves right out of their inheritance. And unfortunately, many people are doing that today. Well, I know God said this, but how many of you know we got to remove the buts? Yeah. Right? I know God said you know, that he would meet our need, but I've got this stack of bills. I know God said by his stripes I was healed, yet the doctor says this. Well, I got a, I got a question for you. Whose report will you believe? Yeah. Whose report will you believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. The truth is, is God has given us all of the ability that we will ever need. In the book of Colossians in chapter 1 and verse 12... Notice with me, it says, always thanking the Father who has enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. I tell you one thing I'm confident of today is this. I'm confident that he who has called us to go up and called us to possess the land has given us the ability and the grace to do so. And I'm confident that you're going to do it. Because he who has begun a good work in you, he that has begun a good work in me, he will complete it, he will perform it until he returns. Amen. Now notice with me in verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature. Now know this, that an evil report is the opposite of a good report, right? Now notice in verse 33. And there saw we the giants, the sons of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. See, their words painted a picture of defeat. To the degree that they began to see themselves as little grasshoppers compared to those huge giants. Their fear and unbelief framed how they saw themselves. And faith-filled words will frame your world and frame my world. We can frame our world with his word. And what will happen? It will change the way we see ourselves. How we see ourselves is extremely important when we are to go up and possess the land. If we see ourselves according to the flesh, we'll never make it. If we see ourselves according to our human strength, we'll never make it. 
If we see ourselves according to the flesh, we will just stay at the same place. But oh, thank God if we will lift up in our eyes and look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and begin to see and declare what God sees about us, we'll be able to be strengthened and go up and possess the land. Somebody shout, let us go up here at Heart of the Bay. And so to go up, we must get rid of all fear. We must have a zero fear tolerance. One preacher said it this way, that fear tolerated is faith contaminated. You know, you look in the Word of God and you see over and over again that the Scripture says, fear not. For example, in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, in the Amplified Version, let's read that together. Fear not, there is nothing to fear, for I am with you. Man, we could shout right there. The I am, the great I am is with us. Let's continue to read. Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. So he says, I'm with you and I am your God. Notice this. Let's read together. I will strengthen you and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you and retain you with my victorious right hand of rightness and justice. Amen. There's nothing to fear. Fear not. Fear not. Let us go up at once and possess more territory in the Bay Area. Fear not, heart of the bay. Let us go up at once and win more souls. Let us go up at once and see signs and wonders and miracles right here in the Bay Area. Let us go up at once and contend for our inheritance, which is part of the nations of this world. Amen? Glory to God. And so say it with me, I refuse to fear. Now notice with me in 2 Timothy in, in chapter 1 and verse 7, again in the Amplified Version. I'd like for you to read this with me again if you would. 2 Timothy 1, 7 in the Amplified. I don't think I gave them the scripture, so I'll read it. It says, ready, read. Oh, no, 2 Timothy 1, 7. Praise the Lord. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Well, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. But what has he given us? He's given us a spirit of power and a love and of a calm and well-balanced mind of discipline and self-control. Hallelujah. I love it. We don't have a spirit of fear around here. We have the spirit of faith. Amen. This is a no-fear zone right here at Heart of the Bay. God didn't give us a spirit of timidity. We are not cowards. We are courageous. We're not afraid to step out in faith. We're not afraid to step up. We're not afraid to go into a land where there are giants. And there are giants in the Bay Area. But oh, thank God our God is bigger than the bigger giant. Amen. Remember that David slew Goliath. Hallelujah. We're out there slewing and slaying giants in the Bay Area. Amen. Glory to God. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. Stop yielding to fear. Stop talking about your fear. Stop talking about your doubts and your unbelief. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. The opposite of fear is faith. If he didn't give us the spirit of fear, what did he give us? He gave us the spirit of faith. 
Oh, hallelujah. And the spirit of faith is unafraid. And the spirit of faith is courageous. And the spirit of faith is, in fact, the spirit of victory. I'm looking at a congregation full of more than conquerors, full of victors in Christ Jesus. Amen. Say, may I have the spirit of faith. Hallelujah. See, whatever is born of God. Every one of you here are born of God. If you're not born of God, let me introduce you to Jesus, the son of the living God. And when you get born of God, you can join the spirit of faith crowd. Hallelujah. The spirit of victory. Amen. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. In other words, overcomes the giants, overcomes the fear, overcomes the doubt, overcomes the unbelief. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So here's what you do to fear. You first submit yourself to God. And then you're in a position to resist the devil. And when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. He will run for you from you as in terror. He's not going to stick around. He's not going to stay by your side. Amen. Because the Lord is on your side. Therefore, we will not fear. Amen. Amen. Look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter in the 27th verse. Don't give fear any place. Read that with me. Neither give place. Neither give place to the devil. Fear gives the devil place. He's looking for an access point. He's looking for an entrance point into our lives. And the way that he does it, he comes with his thoughts, he comes with his suggestions, and he comes with his images. Now don't worry about the fact that there are some thoughts and some images and some subjections, suggestions that have come to your soul, to your mind. It is normal warfare for the born-again believer. But we are not then in a position where we have to entertain those thoughts and speak his thoughts. Rather, we are to cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, when it says, neither give place to the devil, one translation says... Leave no loop for him. Leave no hole for the devil. Leave no opportunity for him. Amen? Amen. And then look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 and verse 9. Amen? I get so excited I got to slow down a little bit. (laughs) Glory to God. Anybody ever been excited about the word? (laughs) Amen. It's a good thing. Notice verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he what? He may devour. Notice in verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith? Whom resist steadfast with your faith? Whom resist steadfast with the spirit of faith. Now I looked up that word resist and Thayer says just oppose it. Resist it. To set yourself against it. To set yourself against the fears that come. 
whom resist steadfast with your faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Amen? Now notice with me. Whom resist steadfast. The word steadfast there literally means to be strong and to be sure, to be immovable, to be hard, to be rigid, and to be firm. So when God tells us to resist steadfast, He's telling us to take a hard stance, a firm stance against the fears that come our way. Resist Him in the faith or with your faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now notice that he walks about as a roaring lion. Didn't say he was a roaring lion. But I know another lion. I said I know another lion. You know who that lion is? It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's Jesus, the son of the living God. Amen. And one way that we can resist him is by praising God and worshiping God and become so filled with the presence of God that fear just dissipates and runs and hides from us. Amen. Say with me, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. Let us go up. Let us go up. Let us go up. Let us go up to the land of debt freedom. Let us go up. Look at Joshua chapter 18. And notice with me in 1 through 3. This is a little bit later on. When uh, they were able to conquer the land. And the 10 spies didn't make it in. Many of their relatives didn't make it in. But you know Caleb and Joshua made it in. Verse 1 of Joshua 18 and the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there and the land was subdued before them in other words it was defeated you see the land had already been conquered and now their full inheritance was available to them and it included all of their covenant benefits verse 2 and there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance I want you to get this in verse 3. Let's read it together. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers had given you? So notice this this statement. How How long are you slack to go and possess the land? Now the word slack there in the Hebrew means to postpone. Or to put off. It also means to waste time. It also carries with it this thought. To be sluggish. And to be lazy. To be negligent. To be neglectful. To be lax. Or to be remiss. I just dropped by to tell you today. That faith doesn't waste time. Faith is not lazy. In the message, it says this. How long are you going to sit around on your hands, putting off and taking possession of the land that God, the God of your ancestors, has given you? In other words, it already belonged to them. All they had to do was take it. Now remember, 
that you and I have an inheritance. In Galatians, the fourth chapter in the seventh verse, and I'll just quote this to you. From the message it says, If you're a child of God, you're also an heir with complete access to your inheritance. Say that with me, I have complete access access to my inheritance. inheritance. You know, I think sometimes we get all excited about our inheritance and what it means in, in the area of healing and what it means in the area of finances. But you know that there is more to your inheritance than that? I said there's more to our inheritance than that. Think about this. And we don't have these scriptures on the screen. But in Psalms 2 and verse 8, in the Amplified Version, it says this. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And I will give you the uttermost parts of the earth as your possession. I believe that in the next several years here at Heart of the Bay, we need to do some more asking for souls. We need to do some more prevailing in prayer for the harvest. I believe we need to get back to some really hardcore intercessory prayer. Amen. And taking our place and our authority and dominion and calling people out of the pit. Amen. Into the kingdom of God. So he said, ask of me. Another translation says, and I will give you nations, thy inheritance, thy possession, the ends of the earth. Amen. Let's do some asking right now. Just lift up your hands right now. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, on this 37th anniversary, our heart's desire is to follow you. You are the Lord of the harvest. So we're asking today, sir, for the nations, people from every walk of life, from the ethnos, Hispanics, Caucasian, Asian, Indian, Muslim. We're asking you, sir, for people to come into the kingdom of God. And we receive them now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And I think it's also important for us to realize, not only are we to believe God for the nations and for more souls to be saved, but I think we need to remind ourselves exactly who our inheritance is. Our inheritance is really a person. You know his name is? His name is Jesus. I found a verse of scripture last night as I was meditating a little bit. In Psalm 16 and verse 5, and this is from the NLT translation, I love how the psalmist said this. He said, Lord, you alone are my inheritance. You alone are my inheritance. My cup of blessing. Hallelujah. My cup of blessing, and you guard all that is mine. Amen. Put your hand over your heart and pray this with me and say this. Lord, you are my inheritance. You are my cup of blessing, and you guard all that is mine. Now drop down to the next verse. This is so good. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. Is there land to take? See, when you have your priorities right, when you know that he's number one in your life, he doesn't have any problem giving you the land. 
He that spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not freely with him give us all things? Amen. There's nothing wrong with having things, but when things become first, that's where we make a mistake. Now notice this with me. The land you have given me. Somebody says, well, I don't have land. We'll say it this way. The land you are giving me. Amen. The house you are giving me. The job you are giving me. Hallelujah. Amen. Just fill in the blank. Whatever you need. Just take it by faith. The land that you are giving me. What kind of land is it? What kind of good things does God give you? Pleasant things. Now notice this. He was overwhelmed. He said, what a wonderful inheritance. Hallelujah. Now we don't have this translation. But the passion says this. Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. I have chosen you. It's a choice to make Jesus your Lord. Making Jesus your Lord is several steps above Him being your Savior. When He is your Lord, you, He is your all in all. He is your life. Amen? And so it says here, Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. You are my prize. You are my pleasure. You are my portion. Say that with me. Lord, you are my prize. You are my pleasure. And you are my portion. That just lines up with the word of God. Delight yourself in the Lord. And what will he do? He will give you the desires of your heart. And then it goes on to say, I leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. In verse 6 of Psalm 15, uh, 16, in the Passion Translation, it says, Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. <laughs> oh, that's shouting ground right there. Your pleasant path. What kind of path does he have? Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by your privileges that come with following you. For you have given me the best. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. For you have given me the best. He'll give you the best. The best for your life. Amen. So don't leave anything on the table that God has put on the table for you. When you got your priorities right, when you're a seeker first of the kingdom of God, you are in position for things to be added unto you. Now look at Psalm 23 and verse 5. Psalm 23 and verse 5. Notice this with me. You prepare a table in heaven. Now where is this table? You prepare a table right here in the nasty now and now. In the presence of our enemies. Now again, this inheritance is the full scope of Him being your Lord. It's the full scope of His provision for you, spirit, soul, and body. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, the truth is, sometimes God has a hard time getting his kids to come to the table. That's true. That's right. yeah, that's right. yeah. 
Anybody had a hard time getting your kids to come to the table? Well, your Heavenly Father knows exactly how that feels. Now, Brenda grew up down on a farm in Pawnee, Oklahoma. I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It was, now, it was north meets south. <laughs> Hallelujah. The, the dynamic duo. And before we were married, I'd go down there to uh, Thanksgiving meals. And they had about maybe 30 to 40 to 50 people at dinner. And several of them spent the night. Now, their little farmhouse wasn't big enough to house 50 people in bedrooms, but they had what they called pallets. I never knew what a pallet was till I met Brenda. A pallet was is you pull something up, put it on the floor, and sleep. But, oh, man, I tell you, on that Thanksgiving day, whoo, man, there was a table set before us 40 people. And on that table was biscuits and gravy. And on that table was ham and turkey and dressing and green beans and all sorts of desserts. I'll tell you one thing. They had no problem getting all that Edwards clan to the table. When they said, dinner's ready, everyone got in there. Well, I believe that that's the way God wants you and I to be. I don't believe that this bunch here this morning is going to leave anything on the table. I mean, if you're anything spiritually like you are naturally at pot faith meals and banquets and men's meetings and women's meetings, there ain't nothing left. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I'm leaving nothing. I'm not leaving anything on the table. And I believe the Lord is saying to us today, take it all. Let us go up at once and let us possess the promises. Amen. <clears throat> Claim what is yours right now. That word possess means to claim. Claim, according to Merriam-Webster, means to take as the rightful owner. Amen. So how do we take our inheritance? We just claim it by faith. We receive it with the spirit of faith. Don't be afraid to come to the table. Don't be afraid to be a partaker of all that he's provided for you. In closing, look at Mark eleven twenty four. Mark 11, that's my prayer for you today. Amen. That you'd leave nothing on the table. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 24 together. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Now notice this word, receive them. The word receive means take. In other words, take it when you pray. Amen. Take it when you pray. Father, thank you so much for the word of God today. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Amen. Lord, I've done my best to deliver your word today. I believe that it's been an encouragement. I believe that uh, faith has been preached. Praise the Lord. And now, Lord, I ask for you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to minister to your people in regards to their walk with you, in regards to their spiritual walk. In Jesus' name, amen.